As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! To celebrate the 10th anniversary of an actually quite forgettable curiosity of modern British football history, we're bringing it back. Mark Noble or no Mark Noble? What other Olympic sport would be competed in by someone called James Ward-Prowse? Would Gareth Bale be asked? And which Olympic-spirited manager would lead them all? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and the Pure Team GB Olympic Eleven. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 175 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and alongside me for this one, first of all, is James Moore. How's it going? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Adam. Back-to-back appearances for you. This is like this is like a double session under Antonio Conte pre-season, isn't it? Putting you through yeah. your paces. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to vomit, but um, it's, yes. I think that's the first time I've done back-to-back, possibly. I'm sure people will be I delighted. I haven't consulted the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, um, well. I'll have to look. 22nd okay. cap, I believe. Okay, that's not bad. Darius Vassell, I think. Oh that wow! Makes you. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm yeah. Quite happy with that. Yeah, I'd take that. Um, possibly the appropriate vibe for today. Let's find out. Joining us for this voyage back through the last ten years and then back again, he's making his debut. It's the Athletics programming genius. He's a stand-up comedian. He's a TED talker. God knows what else he's got. Maybe he's here to promote his new single. Who knows? It's AJ Rose. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, Adam. How are you? Really, really good. Very good to have you. You've been knocking very politely, I should say, on the manager's door. Um, perseverance really paying off, I think. I told you, if you, you know, if you, if you go through like 15 names and all 15 say no, give me the call up, and and now I'm here. That is the spirit. You are here. And uh, sorry, we're going to get stuck into your Team GB Olympic Eleven 
uh, that you wrote for The Athletic recently. Tear it apart and rebuild it, just as God intended. But first, because you're here, you are obliged to take part in the adjudication panel. First of all, furious debate on Twitter yesterday, James. I, I simply asked Football Clichés listeners, can an own goal nestle in the back of a net? My instinct, James, before I held this poll was that nestling is a positive thing and it it isn't just the ball being accepted into the net. It kind of implies a a tidy finish as well, which really can only be a goal for your team. Um, How do you feel about it? Yeah, it certainly does imply intent to me. Mm. It feels like the ball nestles in the net, like you say, like a sort of gentle finish, not like a... Not like something that's been hammered into the net. Not buried. It kind of feels like a purposeful, competent finish to me, rather than, uh, you know, like something that's been like sliced in or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I I would tend to agree with you there. Well, AJ, I thought this would be a fairly clear-cut thing, but the poll poll was a very surprisingly close-run thing because uh, 41.8% of respondents thought that own goals could nestle in the back of a net. That's just insane. It's insane, isn't it? I think on the most part... I'd say own goals kind of trickle or slowly roll into the back of the net. But I do think there's one occasion where it can nestle and that's when a defender just gets a header so wrong and there's so much power on it. But obviously it's an own goal. Then it could be a nestle, but I'd probably lean towards, no, they can't nestle. It's more of a a trickle in my opinion. Agreed. You're getting it. But um, So sort of headers that look like they could be plausibly convincing attacking headers, but they're actually in the wrong goal. Is that what you're you're talking about? Yeah, just on those odd occasions where the defender gets it like completely wrong and there's like, Hmm. it's a brilliant finish just in the wrong goal. Exactly. I'm thinking Ian Dowie against Stockport, James. Everyone's thinking Ian Dowie against Stockport, (laughs) surely. Everyone. But yeah, um, a worrying number of people uh, going down the wrong path there, but can't be helped. Um, Next up, our Euro 2022 scrutiny switches over to Ireland now. This is RTE2's coverage of Denmark against Finland. This is from Jill Scott, who noticed that um, the commentator Adrian Eames talking about Denmark star Nadia Nadim. Uh, well, let's just hear it, shall we? The white lady speaks eight languages, including, I'm sure, the language of football, so maybe nine. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out I speak two languages, so I can update my CV. <laughs> two things to pick up on here. AJ, I'm going to come to you first. I think my favourite thing about that is um, the, the deliberation at the end, saying, well, maybe nine, actually. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just wonderful, as if it as if it's up there, it, it counts, and, I, and maybe it does count. No, again, I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to say it doesn't, because then ev- everyone technically, like, what is what is the criteria for language of football? Are we talking like basic Sunday league knowledge, like goal, pass, or are we talking like advanced <laughs> metrics, like expected <laughs> xG per pass or whatever? Like, where is the? At what point do you can you say I speak the language of football? What do you need to have to be able to speak that language? It's a very important question, James. Um, I don't think this is about terminology, as AJ suggests. I think this is about getting the game, understanding the flow of a game. And if you're if you're football literate in that sense, the language of football is about spotting space, interpreting the timing, and things like that. That's that's the language of football, isn't it? But surely, but surely, if football is a universal language, as we often mm. hear, then you there's no you can't just be counting that as one of your one of the languages you speak. <laughs> if everyone has point. that as a default. You can't then say, I, I speak football and French and Spanish and whatever. Mm. That's just, that doesn't count. Sure. Yeah, it's like general studies, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. It's, You're not yeah. getting a proper qualification for that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to let you down, Adam, because I know you're after No, it. no. 
Absolutely. I mean, eight is enough. I mean, yeah. eight is very impressive. Don't need a nine. It seems quite churlish um, to, to, you know, to quibble on yeah. that, really. But just, yeah, just a lovely, low-key bit of commentary there. Right, we are here to compile the 10th anniversary Team GB Pure Olympic 11. Now, the, the motivation for this, the inspiration for this, AJ, came from your piece that you wrote the other day for The Athletic. Ten years on from London 2012, where you picked a current squad of players to represent Team GB at an Olympics that isn't happening. Now, I've got a bone to pick with it, obviously. Um, it's a very star-studded team, isn't it? Harry Kane up front. Good luck with that. I mean, he's a willing, he's a willing runner, but I think he, even he would draw the line at the Olympics, right? For me, the reasoning was simple. It's, he, he hasn't won a trophy ever. If he'd you know, won a few trophies, then I'd say, yeah, he's above that for sure. But if he's going on... 30 and he's got not got a single trophy to his name i think i think he'd jump at that chance okay um james here are the two other overage players that aj picked um have <laughs> down yet sorry um yeah, picked andy robertson at left back um which i mean is a standout choice especially for a for a sort of combined british 11 and your other selection in goal Aaron Ramsdale, which I can kind of sympathise with. I can kind of get on board with this. Um, very sort of tub-thumping, Olympian-level personality, actually, AJ. The Olympics is obviously like a, a very passionate... Like anyone involved in the Olympics, they're passionate about it. It means like the world to them. And for Ramsdale, like a random fixture on like September, Saturday afternoon means the world to him. So imagine what it'd be like at the Olympics if he got that mm. chance. That's fine. That's, that's good logic, um, James. But the... The double Liverpool fullback partnership, Andy Robson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, that worries me. I can't see Klopp letting that happen. I, I can definitely see why he would want that, obviously. But yeah, I do worry. I mean, I guess with Robertson, maybe you could look at it. And if you if you look at the, the 2012 team, there are a lot of Welsh players in there who I think took that call up on under the assumption they wouldn't play in a major tournament for Wales. Yeah. And obviously, subsequently, we've seen that Wales have qualified for a major tournament, so obviously Giggs mm. had retired by then. So I can see that maybe Robertson, as Scotland's top player, is looking, you know, they didn't qualify for the World Cup. They, they played in the last Euros. Are they going to qualify for the next Euros or the World Cup after that? I, I don't know. So maybe I could see the temptation for him, Trent. Okay. I, don't, I don't see Trent being interested. Well, you're first naming him. How interesting. Right, so it's given us, it's given us a good platform to work from. AJ, but let's let's talk about the Olympics as a footballing concept, and and this tournament in particular, and Team GB just popping up out of nowhere for the first time in fifty odd years, and certainly the first time in the professional era of the Olympics. Um, it's not happening again, is it? It's never going to happen again. And this is what's the best thing about it. It it, it is a modern one-off, a genuine curiosity. But AJ, it's, it's never going to happen again. I can't see a situation where they kind of bend the rules a bit and say let's bring the band back together because. Yeah, it was just mainly for London. Well, it could happen if, yeah. you know, like Glasgow or another city within the United Kingdom hosts the Olympics. But other than that, yeah, that, that's, that's all we're getting, that one-off team. James, I mean, one of the kind of political almost undercurrents of the kind of build-up to this was, was a genuine concern on behalf of the Scotland and the Northern Irish Football Associations that 
if they got involved in this happily and it went well and everyone got on board with it and it was brilliant, that it would weaken their status as independent football nations, that FIFA would just suddenly go, well, OK, well, you kind of enjoyed this. Maybe you should continue to play under the banner of your of your official nation. That's a genuine concern. I can kind of undersee why that would happen because you can imagine you can imagine that kind of mentality creeping in, right? I don't know. I mean, FIFA seemed pretty keen to like expand all the tournaments and let anyone have a crack. So why, why would... I mean, maybe it's different 10 years ago, but totally now the World Cup has been expanded to 170 seven teams or whatever it is hmm. they need they need wales and scotland they're going to need them yeah. in the tournament yeah that's true yeah despite fifa's assurance that nothing was going to happen the, the rug was going to be pulled out from under their feet while all this happened scotland and northern ireland kind of distanced themselves from it but they said that their players could be involved if they wanted but it seemed like a fairly sort of veiled threat to me so what we ended up with was 13 englishmen and five welsh players but before that james it would be. It, it was revealed that 191 players had been contacted, and only seven had, decl- had turned it down. Only seven had kind of declined the opportunity. Um, so, as much as we kind of sort of gently malign Olympic football in this country, it, it was obviously a viable concept for a lot of players. Yeah, I guess if you're in that kind of sweet spot of being kind of a Premier League player who isn't a, a, an international player with a chance of going to a major tournament, you can see why that would appeal. And that's a bit of a mm. one-off. Yeah. It kind of felt like a bit of a free hit, I think, really. So I can yeah, see why. Enough. Yeah, I can't, I can't see many players that would have. Turned, I mean, seven actually feels like quite a lot, to be honest. Yeah. Seven yeah. Chris Suttons. Yeah, seven Chris Suttons um, standing on the wall. Um, AJ, you unearthed this clip. So when that 191 player list was whittled down to the final 18, which feels a bit thin to me, but still, um, it, was, it was unveiled in a press conference and the Team GB chef de mission, Andy Hunt, uh, as you rightly pointed out, reading out the list of players in a very familiar way to us. It gives me great pleasure to announce today the 18 players that will represent Team GB. Joe Allen, Craig Bellamy, Ryan Bertrand, Jack Butland, Stephen Corker, Tom Cleverley. Jack Cork, Craig Dawson, Ryan Giggs, Aaron Ramsey, Micah Richards, Danny Rose, Scott Sinclair, Marvin Sordell, Jason Steele, Daniel Sturridge, Neil Taylor, and James Tonkins. (laughs) Now, AJ, out of that eight list of 18, who do you think was the most Richard Keesian pronunciation? I think Craig Dawson is up there. He started mm-hmm. off strong with Joe Allen. The thing that strikes me about that clip is like halfway through the names, you could see he's having this internal discussion of like, why the hell did I agree to read out all 18? We could have just put this on a graphic. <laughs> like, even he was like... He, he did it. He was, yeah, you could tell he was getting tired throughout, but I would go with Craig Dawson. It's probably the most keezy like announcement there for me. I'm a particular fan, James, of Jack Cork. 100%. And you can imagine Keezy having a great anecdote about Alan Cork as well. Jack Allen's mm. boy. 100%. Yeah, Corky. Corky. I mean, it, it is an odd move. You don't often hear, James, teams being read out like that in football terms. And it kind of just added to this sort of increasing sense that this wasn't a very football-y thing that was happening. And uh, even even some of the names just didn't, you know, the most football-y names of all just didn't seem very football-y when read out by an Olympics guy like Ryan Giggs. 
It's yeah. What? Who's that? <laughs> it just felt very strange. But yeah, it feels um, like it must be another guy with the same name. It just doesn't feel like like he's a shot putter or something. It doesn't doesn't feel quite right. It just doesn't feel football. Mm. But of course, one huge omission from this squad was David Beckham, who had expressed an interest in in being involved, but Stuart Pearce went not having it for football reasons only. And I'm going to read you a quote from the time from a famous observer expressing his distaste at the admission of David Beckham. And I want, I want both of you to try and guess who it is. Question. Are you disappointed David Beckham isn't in the games? Yeah, I am, actually. I understand there are three places in the squad for over, over 23s, and I would have thought first choice would be Beckham because of his huge contribution to getting to the Olympics. But, you know, some idiot decided otherwise. I feel a bit sorry for the three over 23-year-olds because we're going to be looking at them and going, that should have been Beckham. Let's face it, it's not the World Cup. It's not like anyone's going to be really be bothered. <laughs> Next question but he's a crowd puller. He's a national hero, and it would have been great for him to lead out our British team, but someone somewhere said, what did they say? So-and-so is playing better, like it matters. Anyway, yeah, I would have liked David to be in. James, who do you reckon this is? Um, Think pure London 2012 as well. Oh. Spotted recently. Spotted recently. In a high-profile context. I have no idea. You've already thrown me with that clue. London... London... Not Mo Farah. Mo Farah is incorrect. AJ Rose, who do you think I'm going to go with Harry Redknapp. Arguably slightly closer, but <laughs> still a million miles away. The man getting genuinely annoyed about David Beckham not being in the Team GB squad for 2012 was Sir Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, who can we get that's most London 2012 to just be angry about this? And uh, there he was, getting really pissed off about it. Um, first time I'd ever heard him talk about football in his life. So there we are. So... Stuart Pearce is in charge of this team, James. Um, England under-21 manager at the time. I guess in a way he felt about right to kind of get hearts pumping for this sort of thing? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, as AJ was saying, you know, the, Olympics, it, <laughs> the Olympics is about passion. I mean, that sort of seems a bit reductive. But it's about like, there's a degree of national pride, probably from an England perspective. And I know it seems to be not England, but with an England thing, you kind of less, it's less about the nationalism, I think and more about football. I know it's different for other countries, but with, with the Olympics, it is very much like a, nas- like a kind of national thing. And he very much taps into that kind of rural Britannia bollocks. So, I, I, you know, I can kind of see, you can kind of see that that works. Yeah. He, um, AJ, in this clip that you've unearthed from this sort of unveiling press conference, Stuart Pearce does a really, really good job of just about keeping his lid on his kind of patriotism and but also combining it with the most textbook football manager speak I've ever heard. Here is his London 2012 rallying cry for Team GB. Well, we know full well that, that if we're going to be successful in any way, shape or form in the Olympics, we're, we're probably going to have to beat teams of the magnitude of Brazil. I think it's a shining example to people in, in, in our shores how seriously Brazil and Spain and various other nations take the Olympic Games. Uh, with that in mind, obviously, I've picked a squad that hope, hopefully is going to be good enough to, to win a medal for our nation. <laughs> it's got everything you could possibly want, AJ, hasn't it? It's, um, but it, it's kind of squeezing this square peg of football chat into the round hole of the Olympics. It just doesn't work. Do you know what? It doesn't work. When I me. listened to that clip, you know, like, I just felt like Stuart Pearce got, got to that interview and he was like, right, I really need to sound like I know what I'm doing. So he just started saying like <laughs> a, a whole bunch of nothing just to basically say like, yep. Brazil are a good team. We're going to have to beat them if we want to win. He took about 60 seconds or whatever it was just, just to say that. Mm. 
It's a very good example of the phrase any way, shape or form coming in really handy as filler for a football manager. <laughs> James, just to, just to add to this kind of unrealistic, slightly awkward scene, I want to talk about the kits briefly. Team GB's kits. They didn't actually wear the away kit as far as I understand, which is just, just sort of white and grey. But the home kit that we are sort of oddly familiar with, it seems to be my only memory of this whole thing, is the weird kit they wore. It's not a football kit, is it? No. And again, I mean, I guess it kind of had to fall in line with the kit that they're wearing in all the other events. But yeah, it's it's a bit too much going on, isn't there? It's like a sort of mid-90s away kit, really. Mm. I mean, you can kind of see the concept is like, you know, Union Jack, but it's just a bit loud. It was designed by Stella McCartney as well. Wow. So the McCartney's just all over this. Uh, that, I mean, he clearly had an agenda then, didn't he? <laughs> Paul McCartney mm. wanted David Beckham wearing that added ass yeah. shirt. It's all fitting together. Yeah. Who do you think of when you think of that kit? Which player do you see in your mind's eye when you picture that kit? Scott Sinclair. Aaron Ramsey. Scott Sinclair. Well, there you go. But Marvin Tordell for me. I'm not really sure why. Okay. Yeah. AJ, for me, football kit perspective, do you think this was ahead of its time or just completely out of place? Just has no place in football whatsoever. No disrespect to the kit or whatever, but um, no disrespect <laughs> to Egg. <laughs> like, to be fair to the kit, it was. Um, I, I like the fact it wasn't just a plain kit with Nike badge, Team GB logo, and that's it. But then on the mm. flip side, it's kind of like a quarter or, or half like a Union Jack, which kind of shows they're kind of like half committed to the idea. So mm. I think maybe it was trying to do too much, but I do respect the fact that there was some attempt to make it just more than just your standout night tick and uh, Team GB. Yeah, fair enough. They can't possibly have gotten more Union Jack than they did, by the way. Yeah, just to add to the kind of odd sideshow of it all. I mean, you know, football, we're so used to football being the main thing and the Olympics obviously kind of resent it slightly. But let's just just sign off the awkwardness of all of this. The fact that the the second game, the 3-1 win over the UAE at Wembley and the third group game, which is the 1-0 win over Uruguay in Cardiff, James, they were both on BBC Three. Oh, wow. Like like a, football shouldn't have been on BBC Three. <laughs> like a sort of up-and-coming sitcom. Yeah. It's not going to get recommissioned for a second series. Sorry. There you go. Some very talented there people in go. it who go on to better things, but this is not getting a second series. And then, just to crown everything, when we went out in the quarterfinals on penalties against South Korea, AJ, it was right in the midst of Super Saturday. In fact, Mo Farah won his 10,000-metre gold medal about 9.45pm right before the ill-fated penalty shootout. AJ, just football football isn't used to being the sideshow like this. And I think that's the clincher for how weird the whole thing was. Yeah, and I think like if you were kind of, if you were one of the organisers before the event and you were looking at like, what's the worst case scenario? It would be Team GB being eliminated and being overshadowed by another Olympic event, which kind of shows like this whole thing was a bit pointless then, wasn't it? Like we, we were on BBC Three, no one probably watched us and we didn't even get that far. It kind of just all ended in the worst way possible. It could have ended. Yeah, a footballing failure, uh, an anti-climax, but a moral victory for the rest of sport, I think it's fair to say. Um, that's fine. We've got other football. We're OK. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. So let's fast forward 10 years. It's 2022. There isn't an Olympics, obviously. But we're going to pick our 10th anniversary Pure Team GB Olympic Eleven. Now, James... As we always have to with these themed 11s, I want to, pick, I want to talk about the ethos of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is properly policed. It must not, repeat not, turn into an all-night England B episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, as we were saying, so th- these are players who sit between elite international football and the kind of top end of uh, Premier League dross. So they, they're okay. good players. They're players that we recognise as good players. Probably mostly... A- sort of in the sort of 21 to 23 sweet spot. So they're mostly okay. kind of too old for the under 21s. So they're in that kind of point in their career where we know they're not they're no longer like promising youngsters and they're not quite pushed on to that stage of being like elite players. So I think there's a lot of promise here. There are a lot of players here we are expecting big things of, but the reality is probably that a lot of them aren't going to deliver. So what we're looking for, I think, is a group of players who have been on an upward trajectory just starting to peter out maybe a little bit if that's not too cruel that's nice nicely nicely done i think we're on the right track here aj um i think it's time to hear from Stuart pierce one more time in terms of the types of types of character that we're after here i'm not picking on personality i'm not picking on ticket sales and i'm certainly not picking on nationality i couldn't even tell you if i'm being honest with you how many players from wales are in this squad or england they are individuals that are all olympians now these 18 players are Olympians, and that's the only way I view them. It doesn't work. It, doesn't. it just doesn't work. It's, it, it's weird. I mean, as, as convincingly as he attempts to say it, AJ, it just doesn't No, work. it doesn't. Like, if you take, like, sprinting, for example, like, I think with most Olympic events, you have to qualify to become mm. an Olympian. So when you get to say, I'm an Olympian, it means, like... I've put in years of hard work to get to, like, you know, the, the top of the top. When it's like, yeah, you're an Olympian because Stuart Pearce put you in the, the 18. It's like, it doesn't have the same uh, same ring to it. Completely agree. Okay, so um, let's hear from a couple of our listeners before we get started on the overall theme of this. 
Robert Masters writes in, James says, Steve Backley at fullback, Colin Jackson on the wing and Pinsent Redgrave in the middle of the park. Shut up, go away, don't get it. <laughs> not funny. Don't under, uh, don't undermine what we're trying to do yeah, straight away. That, that's not right. I've got long-standing beef with Matthew Pinsent that I don't think we had time to go into now. So he is oh, 100% yeah. not involved in this. Okay, yeah, I've heard about this several <laughs> times. Interesting one here from Simon Trainer AJ, who says the third overage player that we pick should be a not really in the spirit of it 24-year-old Joe Roden, perhaps. So someone who's basically sort of cheating, really skirting with the laws when it comes to the uh, under and over age situation. It's interesting you mention Roden's age because I think, if I've got this correct, you ha- you can be 24 and still count as an under 23 player because I, th- I think... I can't remember where the, where the cutoff point is for when you had to have turned 24, but another player in that, that mix is um, Eze from Palace and he turned... Mm. I think he turned 24 at the start of either June or July. So depending on when Piercy or whoever announces this team, he may or may not just sneak in and bend the rules slightly. Yeah, the the regulations are frustratingly impossible to track down. Usually it's like their age at the start of the qualification period, but it it would seem to me that they had to have been 23 or under at the start of the tournament. So I've got, I'm not really sure, but let's, we haven't got any dates to trouble us here. So let's go with their current state. And uh, let's begin, finally... In goal. Now, oddly, I think this could be quite easy. Ian Paddington writes it says Angus Gunn. I assumed he was 22, but he's actually 26. But I think I might have to play an overage card straight away here, James, because Jack Butland, as he was in 2012, will be our goalkeeper in 2022. That's the name on my list. Jack Butland, (laughs) who easily could still be 22 as far as I'm concerned. AJ, I mean, you might have other names in mind, but let me state this case even further. He's got the experience of 2012. He just gets it. He's not doing much now. He's still technically young enough to be a very capable goalkeeper. He ticks a lot of boxes. Point to prove, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. And he's got the quote-unquote tournament experience of being in the last Team GB squad. He's so been there. He's done it. He's got the terrible shirt. I don't think I picked Butland myself, but it's hard to disagree with him here. So I'm, I'm happy with Butland. Fair enough. That's the sort of agreeable attitude <laughs> that will get you far on the Football Clichés podcast. Very much so. Right, over to right back now. Elliot suggests Nathan Patterson, AJ. Uh, not massively familiar with him, but he does sound slightly Olympic-y. Angus B says Chris Gunter. I'm not wasting my overage card on Chris Gunter. Uh, FPL Toon, though, says James Tavernier, who I am intrigued by as an option. Is he for the uh, over-23 option, James Tavernier? Yeah. See, yeah. I'm I'm inclined to go with uh, Jed Spence at right back. I, I think you know he he he's in that mold of like James was saying earlier, like player on the come up. Not sure which way his career is going to go. I mean, it looks very promising at this point. So I think he fits that criteria of if the you know if he was announced in the squad, there'd be the hope and excitement that we've got we got Spence at right back. So I'd I'd like to put forward Jed Spence. James, how do you feel? I don't, I don't mind Spence as an option, but it, it almost kind of feels too of the moment for me. Like, we're right in the middle of Spence mania right now. Okay. And I wonder whether, with what I said before in mind, Max Aarons, as I believe we now call him, oh. is kind of in that point of, of, like, on a massive upward trajectory. You know, he's linked with Bayern Munich and whoever else. Still, I think, 22. 22, yeah. So he's, he's an underage player. And I just feel like he's in the right sort of stage of his career. You know, he's not got senior England caps. Mm. It, it would be a good opportunity for him to kind of show what he can do in a sort of semi-international setting. So I feel like he could be the man for right back. I've also got, like, a, a left-field 
again, we've only got three over 23. So ideally, mm. you want to use them wisely. But if we were going to yep. use one at right back, I think Kieran Trippier would, would be amongst that mix. Interesting. But then because he's Still, so favoured yeah. by Southgate, you know, he's he looks good mm. to, you know, be in that World Cup squad. But he just seems yeah. like the type of player that would be like, yeah, any games I'm there, any tournament, put me in the squad, I'll play. So he could be an option as an over 23, but... I don't know if we want to waste. Give one. him another four years, maybe. But I think he's still a bit, a little bit too England. I think so, maybe. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am rather selfishly good. I, I feel like we we need to use our overage players down our spine as well. Yeah. I feel like they need, they need to be quite literally central figures. So with that in mind, so we've only got two left after Butnam, right? We've got oh, two left. Yeah, and I, I I'm inclined to agree with James. I think Jed Spence is too highly rated. I feel like he would have other priorities yeah. right now. Yeah. So we need we need players who are still sort of knocking around, figuring out their footballing existences. And I have to say, Max Ahrens is a great shout. AJ, you will have your moment. <laughs> don't worry. Right, over to left back. Tom S, Ben Davies. I like it, but I don't, again, I don't want to waste my overage. Uh, Kieran Tierney, says Alex. Again, I mean, it's good for the Scottish quota, but I'm just not up for it. Hear about this, though. James Dad's James. Ryan Sessegnon feels very Olympic. Not a prayer of challenging for the place in the senior England team, but a very talented under-23 in the Premier League on the periphery of his club side. Yeah. He's perfect. Again, another name on my sheet. And he is, he's another one who, you know, is incredibly highly rated as a, as a teenager. Hasn't quite hit the heights that many would have expected. And if you look at that 2012 squad, he kind of feels like he's a similar sort of profile of where he is in his career at the moment to a lot of those guys. And you could see... Sessegnon having a career like a sort of Ryan Bertrand. You know, it kind of feels like yeah. that's, sort of, that's going to be his sort of level. Like a good Premier League player, but maybe not quite mm. the level we thought he would be like four or five years ago. Um, yeah. AJ, yeah. AJ, hit me with some young left-backs, please. Well, first of all, Sessegnon, the thing that shocks me about him is he's still 22. It feels like he's been going mm. for about six, seven years. But another choice would be uh, Brentford's new left-back, uh, Aaron Hickey. He's another... He's another oh. shout. I mean, highly rated, scores goals and fulfills the Scottish quota because so people don't just turn around and say, well, you've just picked England, England B or England under 21. There is that danger. There is that because danger. Because Scotland's like, I think some of their best players are fullbacks. So obviously Robertson, Tierney, uh, the guy Liverpool signed, Calvin Ramsey, Hickey. Once you get mm. past that defence, spoiler alert, you're kind of looking at John McGinn and then after John McGinn, it's like, where do we go from there? So <laughs> That is a concern, isn't it? Yeah, that is a concern. I, I, I wasn't sure how much I really needed to care about dishing out a fair amount of places to each country, but I do, we do have to make allowances. But, but it's Ryan Sessegnon. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good shout. It's such a good shout. I fear Aaron Hickey is, again, he suffers from the Jed Spence phenomenon yeah. of just having too much on his plate. <laughs> yeah, I think having um, moved this summer, that definitely yeah. is similar to Spence. Like you say, it kind of feels like he's too of the moment almost. Mm. Okay, we move on. Centre-backs could be, the, could be the place for this. We will squeeze in some Scottish people, I promise. Centre-halves, Richie Martin says, Ethan Ampadu, who I think is amazing Spot shout. on, absolutely spot on. Um, there are lots of shouts, AJ, for Mark Gwehi, yeah. who I think qualifies. Yeah, I think he's 22 as well. Do like this as the overage shout, though, AJ. Connor Cody from <laughs> Ben C. Wood. Yeah, Connor. The, the amount of uh, the amount of um, over 23s you could put in a centre back is there's a there's a long list. So like Johnny Evans is another yes. another over 23. He brings a leadership. Northern Ireland as well. And then you've also got I, I could just see someone. 
a blast from the past like Chris Smalling just popping out of nowhere and maybe being in the squad, although I don't think he's as strong a pick as Johnny Evans, but I like the way he picked for sure. I think he's the kind of he's the he's the leader of that defence in my opinion. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, you're coming into your own now because Guayhi, funnily enough, turned twenty two on the day we recorded this podcast. He was born on the thirteenth of July two thousand. That puts him firmly, tidily under the age range. So Guayhi is a great shout. Of all the overage options here, James, there was Craig Dawson said to Ian Woodcock, he's captain just because he's been there and done it. But I, I don't think that's a massively important criteria. There's Michael Keane, says Ewan Cotter. I did like Benji Seawood's shout for Connor Cody, but... To England. Johnny Evans. I'm not sure. Johnny Evans, I, I kind of feel like you're really ticking the boxes. Imagine Connor Cody around the Olympic Village. He'd be amazing. Like, <laughs> what do you larking, mean? larking around with weightlifters and stuff. Imagine the social media content. It'd be outstanding. Another, another left field choice is, is Lewis Dunk. He's been on the periphery of the, oh, could he get an England call up? He's fairly seasoned, quite old. So he's another in that Cody mm. bracket, I think. But I think Cody's, he was at the last uh, tournament with England, the Euros, and he's in most yeah. of the squad. So he is very, very Yeah, England. James, he's too England. It's to England. Come on, mate. I don't know. You're defying your own ethos. Okay, fine. I'll have to take charge here. Do we have Johnny Evans or do we have Lewis Dunk? Do you know what? I'm going to go with Johnny Evans because he's more captain material for me. So our centre-half partnership is Mark, birthday boy Gwehi and Johnny Evans. Right, into midfield now. Um, Let's get the elephant out of the room straight away. Liam Ferry says, two words, Mark Noble. (laughs) James, haven't we picked on him enough? Because this is becoming some sort of low-key vendetta. I mean, he is retired now. Yeah, but I mean, all the more reason for him to play in this tournament then, right? He's not going to go to like a major tournament of England now. So like, this is the the final opportunity for him to play. We can't talk about Mark Noble anymore on this podcast. I mean, we have basically designed the most Mark Noble episode possible. (laughs) But but there, there are so many other options. AJ, how do you feel about this from Mike Hull? He says, if we're talking about current players, I feel certain that James Milner is one of the over 23s. Uh, Do you think he'd be up for nah, it? No, I think Milner, he's, he's got bigger fish to fry. I mean, yeah, Milner. I mean, I did say Harry Kane in my other squad would get in because he wants a trophy, but Milner's won everything, or I think he's won everything. Mm. So yeah, I just feel like he's, yeah. he's past that. But I'd like to counter Milner with, I just feel like Adam Lalana is very over 23 pick in this situation. Where is Adam Lalana? Brighton. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because James, my instinct here is that he doesn't feel current enough. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, can I can I throw another name at you? Hmm. James Ward Prowse. Oh. I, and I think he feels very Olympic. And I, I think, with respect, it's because he takes other set pieces, and that's not proper football. It kind yeah. of feels like free kicks are kind of an Olympic event. It kind of feels like that could be a thing. <laughs> I love this. So I, I love he just this. Has, he just has a very sort of. Olympic vibe about him and I can re- I can really yeah. picture him in that kit I can really picture him you know uh, uh, playing in the Olympics like in the opening ceremony and whatever he's got an Olympic name very, what other sports would James Ward-Prowse exactly. play exactly he, he you know uh, he'd be like in shooting or something maybe you can kind of see him him getting a third leg of the 4 by 100 metres <laughs> 100% <laughs> yeah yeah This shouldn't be part of the uh, selection policy, but it is funny, so we're going to have it. James Ward Prowse is our first midfielder. Our as yet unnamed manager would sell the project to him, I think. (laughs) So we've got James Ward Prowse. That's our second overage player. No, it's not. It's our our third, isn't it? Fuck, we can't have him, can we? 
Oh no, let's think. Let's think. Stupid Jack Butland. Should we should we replace our goalkeeper? How do, how do we feel the about thing that? With the, if it, if it's not Butland, then or an overage player. Like when I was researching it for the piece, that's why I use one of the like what uh, Stuart Pearce said in the in that press conference. He was like, look, I've picked you know some of the best young players, and in the bits where we're weak, that's when I've gone for the over twenty threes. And goalkeeper seems a, a weak point in this team. So if if it's not Butland or Ramsdale, Pickford or whoever. Who are you going with? Okay. Butland remains just for that. But on Evans, Olympic you spirit. could maybe take. There are a few other. Like if we think Ward Prowse has got a, you know, the double barrel Olympic name, you've also got Harwood Bellis, who just signed for Burnley. Do you know what? I want to return all the way back to the very first suggestion for centre half. I'm going to have Ethan Ampadu. Plus, in an 18 man squad, his versatility is going to come in super handy. Yeah. He slots into our back four, freeing up a space for James Ward-Prowse in our midfield. That's good. So we now have two overage players ticked off. Who else do we want in midfield? Aaron Ramsey now out of the equation. He's not going to be making his second Olympic appearance for Team GB. James Milner, who's probably in some sort of cryotherapy chamber for the summer, isn't going to be involved. Mark Noble out of the equation. He's retired as much as we want him, as much as we lust after him on this podcast. We can't have him either. A couple more names to throw at you then, James. Harry Winks. Yeah, again, he he looks like... He looks like he would play another sport, doesn't he? I can I can see him. I don't know what would he, what would he play? Yes, a diver, <laughs> a diver. Harry Winks. He really does. That's so good. Producer Dave says Harry Winks would be a diver. He is a diver, James. He, re- he really is. That that yeah. that has blown my mind a little bit because I've just never seen that before. But he one hundred percent has that. that right down to kind of the boyish good looks yeah. these guys always have. Yeah, 100%. That is really good. Our age limit rules out Jesse Lingard as captain from Club Hein. Um, Nathan Redmond from uh, Rudiger 89. What about Joe Willock? What what age are we talking here? Joe Willock is 22 years old. How do we feel about that? That feels quite good. He doesn't seem likely to get into the England squad anytime soon. So he sort of, that feels like quite... And again, looking at the profile of those 2012 players, you can see a similar trajectory for him in the next mm. decade. The other but, underage one I was going to throw at you was Conor Gallagher, who I believe is also mm. 22, like a lot of the players in this squad. He kind of feels mm. like you know he's not quite broken into the senior England setup yet. And if there was this tournament this summer, you can kind of see... He's got a sort of a point to prove to Chelsea. You know, is he going to be, is he going to be good enough to get into their first team next season? Or is he going to go okay. off on loan again? Might be quite a good He's moment for in him. and around the territory, isn't he? But AJ, we need some non-English names here, surely. Is Harry Wilson? Is he under the threshold? I think that's a very team GB. Harry Wilson is twenty-five. Oh. I think what I felt like we do need. We uh, need uh, I've got uh, Billy here. Gilmore. Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore. Twenty-one years old. It's great, isn't it, James? Billy Gilmore. Yeah. I mean, you're insistent on ticking the Scotland box, so <laughs> similar to Conor Gallagher, I guess. He's been out on loan mm. from Chelsea. Possibly not mm. going to be getting first-team football at Chelsea next season, so it's an opportunity to prove what he can do. He feels like again he's on an upward trajectory, but not quite in that sort of. I um, feel like say so last year Billy Gilmore felt like he was very off the moment because he played in the Euros, and in fact there was a lot of chat about him getting into the Chelsea team, and then he went out on loan. Didn't really quite work out. Mm. But mm. and now it kind of feels like he is in that moment where his career is maybe a bit unfair to say stalled, but it's not kind of soaring in quite the way we maybe would have thought. So, are you suggesting this would be a kickstart? <laughs> I one hundred percent am suggesting that. Yes, excellent. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. AJ, we need another name, please. All right. First of all, Gallagher. I feel like he. I just feel like after the season he had, he, he's too good. Like he's too. 
I don't want to say England, but he is kind of, he's in that kind of like, if you had to list your top five or 10 young players in the Prem, he'd be in that list. So therefore, he, in my opinion, too good. But to counter Gallagher, you've got a few names. You've got, you've got Oliver Skip, Conte, I don't know if it was Conte or someone at Tottenham has said he could be a future Tottenham captain. So we got a young leader there in the middle of the park. Or I think it was got... Charlie Eccleshire who said that. <laughs> Head of the Oliver Skip fan club. Eccleshire, very frequently mistaken for Antonio Conte, so it's understandable. Um, how do you feel about Skippy, James? <laughs> you say that with such disdain, and I, and I think rightly so. Uh, yeah, I, he's in, he's in that, is he underage as well? Presumably, yes. He's He would be one Must of our... Be. I think he's. Like he, he feels like he's in the. He's in that sort of ballpark of upward trajectory, but not quite. You know, elite player. On that note of upward trajectory, but like not quite elite. I feel like even more than Skip is Curtis Jones of Liverpool. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I'm won over by this. Rudiger eighty nine also agreed with you. Curtis Jones should be one of the under twenty threes. Let's do it. Yeah, that's good. Curtis Jones. So let's recap our midfield. James Ward Prowse. Billy Gilmore, and the quite versatile, I believe, Curtis Jones. Now let's do the fun bit, and we've still got an overage player to in our pocket, still to play. So we'll get to who I think that should be in a moment, but let's run through our listener suggestions. AJ, Ryan S, Marcus Rashford, shouldn't be picked on form, but a famous enough name for the people who usually hate football but love the Olympics to have heard of. How do you feel about it? Do you know what? I, that is quite good reasoning from a... Marcus S there so I don't know if I would go with Rashford but on that basis yeah you do kind of need I think one or two star names to get your your shot put fans or your your swimming fans (laughs) to come and watch the event so shot put fans it just feels weird to say doesn't it what what are you into just the shot put and I only watch it I think this next one is a slam dunk especially because he is still only 23 James this is from Phil Blundell he says Eddie and Ketia would 100% lead the line. Duncan also says Eddie and Ketia is the most Team GB striker going, rated as a prospect who no one is fully sure how good he is, but now he's not England quality yet. Ye- that is perfect. Yeah, that is good. Also, on Enketia, I'm thinking if we're not picking Spence because he's like so in the moment, then Eddie Enketia is, in my opinion, the definition of in the moment player. Like, if you take his last mm. six weeks of the season away, like where he's in such great form. I don't even, I, I don't know, if we'd look at it different. I think Nketiah personally is so literally in the moment. But they signed Jesus now, he's not going to play. I'm sticking with Nketiah, I'm sorry. It's, it's just the fact that he he, he just, just dips under the age range, which is where I find. So we need two more names. Let's focus on our overage star, our talisman, if you like. James, what about Gareth Bale? Gareth Bale, interesting. What do you do? He, he was definitely one of the players talked about 10 years ago when he would have been one of the underage guys and I think he was injured at the end of the season so he couldn't play he's not got a major tournament itch to scratch no exactly that's what I wondered whether and you kind of poo-pooed this when uh, it was mentioned by AJ in his piece but I think Harry Kane he loves he loves those goal records and you know he's gonna he's gonna break the England goal record He's going to break the Spurs goal record. You can chuck Team GB in there as well, which I believe is held by <laughs> one Harold Walden, who scored nine goals in 1912. <laughs> Harry came to back himself and scored nine goals in a tournament, or ten goals in a tournament. He would 100%, he would 100% be Kane. up for that. I've got a left field suggestion. They're not. A, uh, what about Robson Carnu, just on the basis of how Team GB <laughs> he is? It just strikes me as like, if he was in the team... Yeah, it just seems like he should be. Like, <laughs> uh, we should be allowed more overage players because how Robson Carno is so good. As is 
Sadly, the the 24-year-old Dan James, who Rob Gilbert suggests, is an absolute must. Again, I pick him. He's just too old. It's really annoying. I don't want to keep overruling. Is it Harry Kane? Are you both happy with Harry Kane? Because I'm going to pick him. I want to play. He just wants to play in every single football match. Before we finalise Kane, on that same basis, when I wrote the piece, I also thought of Calvert-Lewin because he could could do with a, a bit of a, you know, resurgence after... Being injured and whatnot, and also Ivan yeah. Tony. I think Ivan Tony is a good pick. Ooh, I do like Ivan Tony. I do like Ivan Tony. Out goes Harry Kane. England's in comes Ivan Tony. Do you know what? I was going to suggest Callum Wilson as well, but Tony's Tony is be- better. Tony's yeah. better. Producer Dave though says, imagine Rashford holding the flag at the opening ceremony. So though what? Rashford is a fucking amazing shot. It, it is. It is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Harry Kane. I'm sorry to Ivan Tony. And also, if you had Nketiah... Look how malleable we are. <laughs> if you had Nketiah and Tony, you'd have to do that awkward thing of making a striker play out wide, even though they don't want to. So mm, Rashford does fit fine. the bill on the left. Players being forced to play out wide are a, a constant theme in these 11 sets. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm 100% in a team like this. In, in an Olympic Games, so 100% someone mm. would be playing out of position. Do we have any um, provincial youngsters for this for this uh, forward line? Yeah, I've got one, uh, Brennan Johnson. Funnily enough, a Brennan Johnson, AJ, this could be a particularly good shout because as his Wikipedia page states, he was eligible to represent England, Jamaica and Wales at international level. Apparently not Scotland, but his dad, this is where he gets absolutely brilliant. His dad, David Johnson, once of Nottingham Forest, Ipswich Town. This is his international career. Born in Jamaica to an English mother, he played for the England schoolboys. He was then called up to England under-21s, but remained an unused substitute. Then he played for England B against Russia in 1998. Then he was called up by Jamaica and made his debut against Trinidad and Tobago. Then he he went on to make three more appearances for Jamaica, all in friendlies, so he was still eligible to play for another national team. Then FIFA regulations stated he was allowed to select which of the home nations he actually did want to play for, which led to interest from all the non-English home nations, in September 1999, he rejected a call-up from Northern Ireland in favour of joining up with Wales. He picked up an ankle injury in the lead-up to game and missed out on the game. Then he was approached to play for Scotland, which with whom he then eventually pledged his international future, but then wasn't selected for their Euro 2000 playoff against England. So after all of that, he didn't play for any of the home nations and yet could have done. In 2004, Northern Ireland made a second attempt to call him up, but their efforts came to nothing. Make your mind up, David Johnson. Make your mind up, Brennan Johnson, because either way, you are playing for Team GB at the non-existent Olympics. And that concludes our team. Shall we run through it? In goal, Jack Butland of England. Right back, Max Ahrens of England. Left back, Ryan Sessegnon of England. Centre-halves, Ethan Ampadu of Wales. Mark Guahey of England. Midfield, James Ward-Prowse of England. Billy Gilmore of Scotland. Curtis Jones of England. Up front, Eddie Nketiah of England. Marcus Rashford of England and Brennan Johnson of Wales. Have we done a good enough job here? We were so easily led on Rashford, but it feels so yeah, right. Yeah, it does. I mean, more than any other player in that team, I can picture Marcus Rashford playing for Team GB. He's just the posteriest of poster boys. Yeah, defo. I bet. I mean, there won't yeah. be many English footballers that people in Scotland and Wales don't hate. I suspect, but I, I, they will definitely like. I can see Marcus Rashford kind of, you know, kind of, kind of working in those markets. Do you know what? I, I don't feel massively guilty about not spreading these players out. The original team didn't. No. Uh, even though they technically could have done. It was mostly English players. And do you know what? It's, 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 the technicalities are not hugely important here. It's about the vibe. It's about the sort of player that we want playing for Team GB at that level in 2022. So all that is left, AJ, 
is to pick our manager. Now, there were some really obvious shouts here. Some people went Harry Redknapp, two soccer aid for me. Roy Hodgson, no interest in this whatsoever. Sam Allardyce, I think, as we have discussed on this podcast, we are post-Big Sam. We can't keep going back to this man. It's a no from me. It has to be a fairly young-ish, earnest, relatively tracksuity man. And that really does narrow the field. Who do you have in mind? Uh, in the piece, I went with Graham Potter. And I can't really... He does fit that young, aspiring coach, tracksuity kind of manager. But then also you've got Sean Dyche. I mean, he'd be available this summer and he could be a shout. So I'm, I'm, I'm torn between Dyche and uh, Potter. James, I'm going to... I'm going to rule out Potter on the fact that, you know, he he ticks the going about his business well elsewhere. But Sean Dyche's compelling option. How Olympics he is, Sean Dyche, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about Dyche. I'm not sure he's the guy. I'm sure he's got quite the right vibe to manage this kind of vibrant young team. He could be a hammer thrower, though. That is true. That is true. I don't, I'm not doubting he has his qualities as a potential Olympian, but possibly not for the coach of this team. The guy I'm thinking of is Steve Cooper, who is Welsh. So, you know, another tick in that box. People think he's English because he coached, what, England under-16s and under-17s. So he's kind of, he kind of feels British, okay, which I, like I think this. kind of works. And he's like a young manager, okay. clearly highly yeah. rated. He's worked with quite a few of these and, players before, probably. Yes. And do you know what? If we are going to get into some logistics, I actually think he would do this on a kind of loan basis. I don't think we necessarily have to have an out-of-work manager. I think he would just sort of do this for a quick summer, it's not the biggest deal in the world, and then, then get back to Nottingham Forest and focus on the real deal, the real business. I really like Steve Cooper. The only other option here is Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about Brendan Rodgers. He could. The Olympic potential of Brendan Rodgers is limitless about how he could get into the spirit of this, AJ. Yeah, I like Cooper. I, it's a good shout, to be fair. But then when you mention Rodgers... I just feel like his his press conferences might be a bit more explosive and passionate, so to just speak. Just a bit more dreamy, yeah, just, a bit more aspirational. I'm leaning towards Rogers because on the let's say this was happening, mm. there's probably no chance Forrest, after getting to the prem for the first time in years, are like, yeah, we'll just scrap preseason so you can go do Team G and <laughs> yeah, okay. Leicester probably be more accommodating. Leicester would probably still have an issue, but probably less so than Forest, where it's kind of like... Rogers would probably buy into all the sort of pageantry and stuff of the Olympics more than Cooper, I guess. You can kind of see him really leaning into all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, Talking about what an honour it is. And and he would sort of... He would would go on about sort of past Olympians. He would talk about sort of Jesse Owens and about how he's walking in his footsteps. Uh, I can totally imagine Rogers saying that. So, yes... Brendan Rogers of Northern Ireland is our manager. Thanks very much, AJ. Your your brainchild has come to life almost. <laughs> well, as far as as much as it can do. How do you feel? Do you feel like we've nailed it? To be fair, it's, it's, yeah, I don't have too many qualms with uh, with that squad. I mean, plenty of people will. But <laughs> that's just the way of these things. James, um, James, do you think we've we've cut to the core of the Olympic football experience, um, such as it is? I'd like to think so. I mean, as you say, I'm sure mm. some people will complain, but I, th- I think we've kind of done it in the right spirit. It's not just a case of picking yeah. the best available players. It's more about mm. a vibe. And I think we captured mm. that. And this team are sailing through the group stages and then losing to the first reasonably decent team or well-drilled team that they come up against in the knockouts, Obviously, right? yes. And how, what could be more British than that? Thanks to you, James Moore. Thank you, Adam. Thanks to you to the flag-waving Olympian That is AJ Rose. A great debut from you. Thank you. Pleasure to have you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.
Cheerio. Jack Cork. The Athletic.